those lifelong memories you'll make and lifelong friends are so valuable. Um, I don't know where I would be without them. And, and I try to create that in my, in, in our program, like, Hey, I hope when you leave, you have, you know, regardless of our record, we're going to have some great years. We we're, and we're going to have some years that aren't so great, but I hope you have some unbelievable memories and friendships that last forever. People you can count on forever, including me. You know, I hope I'm one of those. I'm going to coach them hard, but, uh, love them hard too, and make sure that um, we're good when practice ends. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. So glad you could join me here for the 62nd edition of the club. I've heard a rumor that each rating a podcast gets affects the algorithm on Apple Podcasts, which means the club would automatically get recommended to more listeners. Like many of my students, I'm not going to bother looking that up to see if it's true. I'm just going to assume that it is. So if you could take a moment and leave a rating, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, that would be fantastic. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button as well. And definitely hit the link in the show notes to subscribe to the free weekly newsletter. As always, thank you for choosing the club. And a huge thank you to Will Miner and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the High School Coaches Club. If you need any facility improvements, make Netting Pros your first call. Not only will they help you design it, but they'll do it all custom for you. From the fabrication to the installation, they've got you covered for netting, digital graphic wall padding, turf, turf protectors, cubbies, windscreen, ball carts, you name it. They crush the baseball and softball world on a daily basis, but they also get after it in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field, golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. They're truly making facilities better all across America, providing high quality products and services for facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country, not only at the high school level, but for recreational, collegiate, and professional sports as well. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all the latest products and projects. Netting Pros. They're improving programs one facility at a time. This podcast is also sponsored by Driveline Plus. High school coaching is about effectively identifying and communicating what athletes need to do to improve. Driveline Plus is a growing and ever-changing library of the best information on baseball player development. Members will find how-tos on different baseball technology and the latest research findings from Driveline's lab, along with inside access to Driveline trainers to make sure you can effectively coach your team. Plus, members also get the best discounts that you can find on Driveline training gear. All you wonderful members of the High School Coaches Club can get $25 off your first year of Driveline Plus by using the coupon code HSCC. Go to drivelinebaseball.com slash plus to learn more. You can also find that link down in the show notes. All right, so right off the bat, I just want to get this out of the way. I'm a little bit embarrassed um, because this next guest is amazing, and yet he's only like 20 minutes east of me, and I knew almost nothing about him uh, prior to kind of researching and getting ready for this episode. And, and then obviously when I spoke with him, I learned a ton. And uh, I, I'm embarrassed because of how incredible he is and how amazing the program is. Um, we play their their baseball team all the time. And yet I, I just did not know um, how amazing this program was. I, you know, the boys team, the girls team there, they're both phenomenal. But um, here I'm joined today by Tal Wold, and he's the head girls basketball coach for Silverton High School out here in Oregon. He's a phenomenal coach, and you'll see that right off the bat. His teams are consistently competing for state championships uh, from their 
yearly blueprint, which he'll talk about, to their team meals, to buying uh, thousands of dollars worth of basketballs every year. He'll explain why. Um, You'll start to kind of piece the puzzle together as to exactly why Silverton Girls Basketball is one of the most well-respected programs in our state. Since recording this episode back in December, um, his team has gone on to win every single game in which they've played currently ranked in the top five here in Oregon, uh, just off to a fantastic start. So uh, with that said, let's do it. Let's dive in. I'm super excited for this one. Uh, It's episode 62 with Tal Wold. All right. I'm joined by Tal Wold. Tal, thank you for your patience for guests getting on here. And then of course, thank you for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Uh, We got connected through Ryan Starwalt, who is... um, Pretty, I don't know, famous is the right word in the baseball Twitter world, but he's pretty well known. Um, uh, obviously, he uh, stepped down from coaching a, a couple years ago to kind of focus on his family time and his, his turf business and everything. But um, he's very deep into the the, the girls basketball scene uh, with his daughters playing and, and everything he has going on. And so when he reached out to me and said that Tal Wold should be on the show, it was like an automatic, <laughs> yes, definitely, let's bring him on. That's awesome. I've known Ryan a long time. I um, I think it was my senior year in high school. I played basketball and baseball. And when I got done my senior year, uh, my high school baseball coach asked me to coach a, I think they were seventh and eighth graders. And Ryan was on the team. And it was a really nice group, fun group, um, competitive group. They were really good. And so I coached him as seventh graders, I think as eighth graders. And then he hired me when I was like 20 or 21 to be his JV coach <laughs> for baseball. Um, and um, and so Ryan and I have had a long relationship. It seems, well, it's almost depressing to say now. It's probably going on, oh gosh, 30 <laughs> years, 25 years. <laughs> nice. so time flies. But uh, yeah, I've known Ryan a long time and loved when he would come play Silverton coming to watch uh, his teams play. Yeah. He, you know, I, I coached baseball for a while and then um, kind of got to know Ryan over Twitter, which is kind of weird. Cause I, you know, I'm only about a mile or so, about an hour North of where he is, but um, and then obviously coaching against him. And I, he, he opened some doors to me just like philosophically, as far as coaching goes that if I hadn't, if I hadn't had those doors open and hadn't walked through those doors and learned all, all the stuff that I've learned as a result, I, I, I would not be a very good coach. I don't think right now he's, he's, he's done a lot of things for a lot of people who he, um, all across the country too, who he, he kind of barely knows. He's, he's one of the, the best humans I think I've ever met. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's been fun to watch him grow up too. You know, like I said, I probably started getting to know him when he was, you know, 12 or 13. And now here we are both, um, girl dads and, and, um, coaches and, you know, investing in young people. And so it's been fun to watch him grow up and, and think back to our relationship first started, you know, on a tiny little diamond. And we, we had a common love in uh, big gulps and, uh, we both go get a, a big gulp before a baseball game together. And, and now, um, our lives are, you know, so much more. There's so much more depth to the relationship. So uh, it's awesome. Did you know, or I guess I guess more along the lines of like, when did you know that coaching is something that you would spend, obviously, a considerable amount of your life doing? It, it, it took a while. I loved sports. Um, I grew up, my dad and mom were both coaches. My dad was a high school basketball coach in the state of mm-hmm. Oregon for 35 years. Um, my mom, until she had three boys. 
um, did swim, did some volleyball, did, uh, you know, coach there in, in Philomath. Um, and, uh, and, and so I loved being around sports. I played sports. I, I would play five, six sports uh, in middle school. Even in high school, I, I, I did a few things, you know, basketball and baseball were my, you know, two loves. But, um, you know, I played soccer. I ran some track. I In the summers, I went and did tennis tournaments all over the state of Oregon. And uh, But it wasn't until I graduated from Oregon State and thought, well, now what am I going to do? <laughs> and, um, and going back to my high school baseball coach who was in the Oregon Baseball Coaches Hall of Fame, he was in my wedding because he had such a huge impact on my life, um, you know, kind of visiting with him. He's like, go get your teaching license. And I did. I went to uh, uh, Warner Pacific College in Portland. Um, I assisted in basketball there for three years with Bart Valentine, who is one of the best basketball coaches uh, in the state of Oregon. And um, and, uh, and and that was kind of when I thought, OK, this is this is what I'm going to do. And and. Um, and that again, that was in about 2000. So I'm going on my 19th year as a as a head basketball coach. Yeah, and you started out uh, on the boys side. You you were you mentioned Warner Pacific. Then of course you went up to Washington at Black Hills for a while. Then you came back down here to Oregon uh, in Staten, which is about 10 minutes um, about east of where I am right now, and actually not too far actually from Silverton, where of course you ended up. Um, right. And then, of course, you you eventually not to skip through many years of your career, because we'll, we'll probably get into a lot of the stuff that you learned along that path. But um, eventually you you make the transition to Silverton and on to the girls side. Yeah. And that was interesting. It was uh, I was um, when I left Staten, Darren Shryock and Steve Roth, another two, you know, really well respected boys, basketball coaches you know, just well thought of for the way they treat kids, for how hard they work and just kind of who they are as people um, asked me to come help. And so I was just helping them. And one day the AD called and said, Hey, can I meet with you? And I called Shryock. I was like, Hey, did I do something wrong? Did I, you know, is there something <laughs> going on? He's like, I have no idea. And so he said, um, our, our girls coach is stepping down. Would you be interested? And so that just led to a conversation and, um, then obviously a conversation with my wife and all that. I was really having fun, not being a head coach too, just being, you know, but still being a part of young people's lives and coaching and, and doing, you know, what I was doing. Um, but uh, we thought we'd give it a try and, and um, you know, really haven't looked back. It's been nine years now here at Silverton and uh, I'm, I'm just having a blast. The girls are awesome. And I have a great group of assistants that have become kind of my best friends. And, and so that camaraderie has been great. Silverton's uh, one of the nicest places in Oregon, and my wife and I, we take our kid, he's only two, but we'll take him out there sometimes and just walk around downtown because it's, it's a really cool, just a really neat place for um, for families, I think, and, and for visitors and obviously for people who live there. Um, most people listening will have no idea about anything at all about Silverton, so can you give like the synopsis of, of what the community is like and then, of course, what the high school is like? It is, um, it's a little bit of a throwback. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think growing up, you know, tagging along with my dad in the 80s, going to football games and basketball games with him, um, it, it's really similar to that. And like the football games are packed. Uh, you, you can't find a place to sit if you get there at kickoff. Uh, the community, you go through downtown and every business, whether it's a bank, a clothing store, a restaurant, 
uh, has um, signs up about Silverton sports. It has volleyball posters. It has the boys and girls soccer posters. It has quite, you know, just incredible support. Uh, somebody said it's a little bit like Mayberry. It's a one high school town, um, you know, 10, 15 minutes east of, um, uh, of Salem. And, and I think it just, the community, so many people have graduated from here, went off to college, and then if, if, have came back to raise their family, that they just support high school sports and high school activities. I mean, speech and debate, the drama um, department. It, you, you go to a play or a musical, and it's packed with community members. And um, I've taken my daughters to a couple. And so it's just kind of a neat, close-knit, tight community. Um, that supports kids, uh, supports all their students, student athletes, student activities, and wants to see the young people have an awesome experience, whatever they're doing. It's really unique. Um, I have, we go on the road to play some big games, you know, um, you know, maybe we're going down to Corvallis or West Albany. Those are big games for us. And, and, uh, the opposing coach will say, you have more fans here than we do. Or when they come to our place, we get a lot of people for girls games and that's unique. Um, our boys pack the place, but we'll get it half, three quarters full. And, and they'll say, you know, just that this is such a, you know, unique place, special place. And it is, they, they just support young people. Why do you think it is? Cause that's, that's something that obviously, you know, you notice, I notice it that, um, I can't speak for the whole country, but certainly here in Oregon, um, for the girls basketball games, sometimes I know for, for a while there and every once in a while still they'll stack the games where they'll have like the boys play and then the girls play afterwards or vice versa. Um, or if they're playing on separate nights, whatever it might be. Um, there's just, there's just not as many people there for the girls games. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I think, um, you know, the, the pace, the boys brand, the physicality, the dunks, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think there's a little something to that. Um, I, you know, I know attendance is down everywhere. Talking with Peter Weber, the head of OSAA, um, at Gill, when we go to the state tournament, he always comments on how he loves having Silverton there just because we draw, we bring so many bus loads. But I also think there's so many things to do now. Um, you know, on the girls' side, uh, we are losing girls to club softball, club soccer, mm-hmm. uh, and, and club volleyball. And when I say we, I think across the state um, that is happening. And and so there, there are other things to do um, and and just not as many people are are, are coming as they used to. But um, in Silverton, I think there's even been a little bit of impact on that, just not as much as other places. When you moved over from the boys side to the girls side, what are some of the like immediate changes or, or things you had to do or be aware of that maybe you, you weren't paying as much attention to on the boys side? Um, that's a really good question. I think your choice of words, which was good for me to think about, like, um, you know, your words can, your words can leave an impact on someone. And so making sure that if I criticized or if I, I don't want to say put down, but, you know, coaching a kid. I also followed it up with some positives and then made sure before they left that I got with them in, in, a, in a way where I said, now understand, here's what we we're talking about. Here's what you need to do better here. And so just that communication piece was really important, uh, making sure you were still being honest 
but following up, you know, letting them know uh, that you love them, how much they mean to you. Um, but just the communication and um, not wanting uh, anybody to leave feeling like they aren't valued. So that was really important. Something I caught on as I was going that just, I don't want to say girls are more sensitive because I don't know that that's necessarily true. I just think it's something when I came over to the girl side, I wanted to be more conscientious of something I thought I could improve on. And so if I did go back and coach boys, I, I would want to take that same attitude where I'm going to coach them hard. Um, but, uh, love them hard too, and make sure that, um, you know, we're good when practice ends. Oh, it makes a ton of sense. And I'm sure it does apply uh, across all boards, but just being more aware of it makes a lot of sense. So when you uh, moved over to the girls' side, um, you and your team since then have won a, a lot. Um, obviously, you won the state title a handful of years ago. Um, you made it to the finals another year after that, yeah, you know, top five a few times. Um, in 2020, when the pandemic shut everything down here in Oregon, all the state basketball tournaments were already going. I remember our South Salem girls team was really hot and they were in the final eight. Your team was obviously there as well, heading into the semis um, and then everything got shut down. This past year, uh, you guys um, obviously had a really good season, but there wasn't a uh, there was no like playoffs or anything necessarily. Kind of it was just kind of a a different kind of setup. And then um, obviously this year, um, so you, you you've had a lot of success in terms of winning. And one of the things that's really interesting, I think, to listen to coaches talk about is how much winning plays a role and how they go about preparing for things. So in the Silverton girls basketball program, when girls come in, of course they know that the expectation is winning. How much do you actually talk about winning? Um, a few years back when we lost in the state final and then the next year we made it to the semis, I think it was nine of our 12 girls were three sport athletes. And so they come to us really competitive and that has been huge and something, unfortunately right now in our varsity and JV program, we don't have one soccer player. And we used to have, I mean, the year we won state, seven of our 12 were soccer players. Um, and so, you know, we've never had to talk about winning. We do something a little different out here where in the first week or so, um, when we get going uh, for practice, the girls come over for dinner, which um, I have a, a nine and a five-year-old uh, daughters, and they just love it. But um, we, we meet and we don't do goals. I, I used to do goals and I found like kids would be saying, we want to average 15 assists and two <laughs> turnovers. And, and there were just things that we were never going to, they, they weren't realistic and they were hard to measure. And so we do something we call the blueprint. And, um, and so those are things that after every game we can measure. Uh, and, and so that's what we talk about. Things that, you know, they come up with four or five things that, they want to hang their hat on and, and they're theirs. So it's, there's ownership. I put them on the whiteboard before a game and after a game, I come in and say, you know, how did we do here? And they'll say B minus or whatnot. So the winning aspect, you know, we kind of take away the scoreboard, focus on the blueprint, focus on being great teammates and competing like crazy and getting better. Um, so uh, I don't say, I don't want to say that's taking the pressure off me because uh, you know, as a competitor, you always want to win, <laughs> yeah. but, but you try to put that to the side and, and really talk about, um, the things we value, the things we want to honor. And for us honoring the blueprint every year, um, is a forefront for us. 
just thinking from a baseball standpoint, sometimes in the past we've tried to do goal setting stuff and interesting enough, we kind of got away from it too for similar reasons where it's, you know, some a kid will put down, they want to hit like, you know, 12 doubles. And it's like, you know, even if you, even when you have a really great at bat and you crush a ball, like they might be positioned in such a way that they catch that thing. And so now you didn't reach your goal, even though the output you had should have made you reach it. And so a lot of times that, um, you, you you goals aren't as controllable as you might think they are in sports and so i love that idea of going into a blueprint do you mind sharing like one or two things from this year's or previous year's blueprints like what types of things do they they kind of come up with so uh it it, it varies on the group um i usually meet with the captains the two you know two or three seniors whatever we're going to have and say hey what are some things you're thinking about um but they'll have stuff like Rome wasn't built in a day, and meaning just get better every day. Uh, they'll have uh, this year. There's find a way. You know, it might not be as pretty this year. Um, we're, maybe we're not quite as talented as we've been, but let's find a way uh, by being gritty. Most be the most enthusiastic team on the floor, and, and just so those are some of the things. So when the game gets over, we can come in and and, and say we're you know were we the most enthusiastic team on the floor did we get a little better tonight and so on and, and we'll grade it that way um and then we have a couple you know basketball goals but again like you were talking about baseball we'll play some teams that um you know hold the ball for 40 seconds mm -hmm. of possession and we'll play some teams that shoot every 10 seconds per possession and so having a points per game or you know we want to keep them under 40 well that sometimes is a variable where we might keep them under 40 and that's because they hold the ball for so long um, that, you know, those aren't really uh, goals that we control. And so we'll do some other, you know, we have some other basketball goals like points per possession and stuff, but um, the blueprint is more of theirs. Um, uh, this year, an, an, another one was um, driven and determined. And so just, you know, again, easy to measure at the end. Did you, did you feel like we were determined and driven and that we played, you know, we won the heart and hustle board. Uh, so little things that, um, you know, go into making a great team though. Also gives you like room to, for you and your, your players to celebrate each other for things that like, I mean, you know how it is and all sports are like this. Everything doesn't show up on the scoreboard. So if, you know, someone hustles for a loose ball and, and, and maybe it ends up as a jump ball, there's, there's no stat that's really keeping track of that. But if you have, you're mentioning blueprint and some of the things you mentioned, like find a way, for example, or heart and hustle or something like that, that kind of opens the door for your players to celebrate little things like that. And maybe even, and I'm just spit, but maybe even like be more aware of when other girls are doing those things on the court too. Absolutely. They celebrate together uh, when they see that. And we try to, whether it's during a game or in between a quarter, but like I said, before the game and after the game, we always... Um, that kind of is is front and center for us um, to make sure we honor it and um, and give everything we can to the blueprint. You mentioned a second ago too. You you met with your team captains prior to this. So can we get into the team captain idea? How do you uh, how are team captains kind of chosen in the Silverton Girls Basketball Program, and what kind of like responsibilities are are on those girls' shoulders? So, you know, usually and we've gone now two summers without a summer league, but it's something that starts to happen in the summer where you start to notice who the leaders are when things aren't going well, where are people's eyes, who are they looking at? 
um, to, you know, help, we need help. And they're looking at so-and-so. And, um, but when the girls come over to my house, like I was saying on that time, they just write two names on a piece of paper. Uh, the whole week, once we divide up into teams, I'm talking about leadership and blueprint, you know, who's the hardest worker, who's the first person in line, who's helping people up off the ground when they dive for a loose ball or take a charge or, or any of that, who's someone you trust. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's just kind of what we're looking for. For us, the captains uh, do a few things like yesterday we, we, when we broke practice, uh, we have one game tonight uh, right before break. And then they get five days off. And, and that can always be – tonight can always be an interesting night where oh, I can't wait for break and you just go through the motions or are we going to finish hard and break the tape and give an unbelievable effort. And so I talk to my captains about that. Like, hey, tomorrow when we, we, we're going down to South Eugene, let's break the tape. Let's make sure we finish and we feel awesome so that when we head off for five days, there's no regrets or, or no pouting and no like uh, we, didn't, we didn't give our – best effort we didn't put our best foot forward and and let's make sure we do that so we can leave with you know good spirit and a good feeling in the locker room and then be enthusiastic when we come back uh in, in five days i love it yeah it's it's different because you know, winter sports have to deal with that big break i know for like for us for baseball we get spring break but that's i mean after you take away the time we practice and everything they get maybe two days off so it's not that big yeah. of a deal um, but yeah, winter sports always have to deal with such a, it's such an interesting schedule and, and, and trying to figure out how you determine days off and, and when you're going to practice and when you're going to play. And obviously during the off season, trying to figure out what games you're going to schedule during that time. Have you found like a, is this kind of your happy, is, is this the happy place where five days tends to work? Like what, how, how has that been for you over your career? It's usually about a four or a five day break. I think it's great. I tell them, you know, enjoy family, enjoy your friends, enjoy football, you know, and, and whatever's on TV and, and, and kind of take a mental break too. Cause when you come back, you start league and then it's just, it's a grind. It's a long, I mean, I, I don't, you know, winter season, you have Thanksgiving break, you have winter break, you have parents wanting to leave on trips and, and you're trying to tell them, you know, hey, really need them to stay. And that can be that can be troublesome. And um, so usually we'll go four to four and a half days but and, and hope that not only physically does it do them some good, um, but mentally just they come back, batteries are charged a little bit, a little more pep in their step and and ready to get going for the new year um, and start in league and, and which is just a long you know, a long six, eight weeks of, you know, 16 games twice a week and, and they're always big. And so, um, you know, hopefully they refresh and, and, and come back ready to go. When you think about your teams and, uh, you know, over the course of, of the, the years that you've been the head coach there, um, if like you asked opposing coaches or if people in the community were asked or even your own players were asked, both, both current and former, um, and they, you know, they were asked, like, what is the Silverton girls basketball program known for? Uh, what types of, of things would they say? I think they would say that um, what I hear from other coaches, one is always how much our girls like each other. I mean, they truly get along. I heard from an AAU coach who said, They've had a couple of our players and said, you know, the girls always are complaining about other girls or coaches or, you know, something in their program. And she said, every girl that has been from your program says, that's funny. I love all my teammates. We have a lot of fun. And 
So I, and I think that's really important. It's the same with my job. Like I love the lady I teach next to. Uh, I can go to her and be like, oh my gosh, can you help me with this? And, and I feel great about it. And I, you know, we can laugh together. And, and so going to work's, you know, a little more fun than if you, you work next to maybe a, maybe a grumpy, grumpy person who, who doesn't want to help. And so that's one, our, our girls really get along. They enjoy each other. Uh, they're grateful uh, to be lady foxes. Um, and then the other thing is it, we defend, you know, I think people will say that they, they really defend and, and play hard. And, and I'm always um, really honored when people say that, like, I just love the way your girls defend and how hard they play. And, and that's just, that's awesome. And again, I think that speaks to some leadership and, and some expectations like you were saying earlier. How do you get them? I mean, this is kind of a weird question, I guess, but like, I guess let me rephrase, like what strategies do you use within your program to help them learn to really like each other? Because you've, you've coached kids and I've coached kids. We all have where they, sometimes they enter and they either don't have a relationship or maybe they just don't really know each other well enough. And so obviously a huge part of what we do, especially I think in a basketball program, because it's, it's so tight knit and you need them to be working in such a cohesive group. Like what types of structures do you have in place to help them get to know each other and to learn to like genuinely like each other? Well, we do. Um, I mean, starting from camp, we do this summer. I, I run a camp like, like everyone every summer. This year we had 113 girls there, but from that point, I mean, they're starting to get to know each other as third graders and fourth graders. Mm-hmm. So right, right now we have a fourth grade, uh, we call them future lady foxes, but you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So again, they're getting to know each other and spending valuable time with each other then. But even at these camps, we talk about our, our three kind of, here are three pillars. You know, you're going to get better every day. You're going to compete like crazy and you're going to love your teammates, which all isn't always easy. But again, you got to find a way. You got to find a way to respect them and to be grateful that you're on their team. And, and, um, and then there's a lot of conversations. We work hard in practice. We try to do as coaches a really good job of pointing out like awesome stuff. We see, hey, Susie, I saw in that pass you made to Lisa. You went high five. Great job. Way to be an awesome teammate. And so things that we want to see repeated, things that we want our team to be known for, if we see it in a practice, we have to call it out. We have to point it out because we want to see that behavior repeated. So a little bit of, um, I don't know, PBIS in the classroom, I guess, but there, there's there's truth there. And what you want to see, um, you, you really praise. And then things you don't want to see, you don't tolerate. Uh, when I was... In the late 90s, I was working at Crescent Valley. I was coaching basketball and baseball there. And um, a coach said once, hey, what you tolerate, you encourage. And I thought that was really powerful. And I've remembered it since then, obviously, and and tried to hold true to that. Like, if there's something that you don't want in your program, and it's easy sometimes to kind of look the other way, um, well, you're encouraging it. And we just try to nip that stuff in the bud at all of our younger levels and and if I see it to just, you know, make sure I communicate with the girls like, Hey, that's not how we do things. And we had an episode like that in probably week one, week two, there was a girl who, you know, said to a girl, Hey, you need to was kind of being snooty a little bit and and getting on a teammate for doing something wrong attitude. And we just, you know, made sure we addressed it. Like, Hey, that's not how we talk to our teammates. That's not okay. And uh, so hopefully that's been, um, 
you know, part of it. And, and then I think another big thing is um, we, you know, I don't, this is, it, it's hard to put into words, but we really try to keep just good girls are in the last five years, we finished in the top three each year in GPA. And I can tell you that's not from, from me. <laughs> My GPA was never as high as these girls. <laughs> every, every year I look, I'm like, wow, how do they do that? And, uh, but we just try to keep girls who, you know, are liked in the classroom, work hard in the classroom. I hear good things about around the school. Um, who I would hire as a babysitter. Hey, can you babysit for us tonight? And if, if the answer sometimes is no to that, you know, I've, I've cut some girls that I just didn't trust or think would be good in the locker room. And that's important because I think a lot of times we, um, I think like college coaches have its, um, I don't want to say easy in that regard, but college coaches are able to choose pretty much every single person who walks through the door. Right. And as high mm -hmm. school coaches, of course, we essentially the, the saying generally is like you get what you get and you have to kind of take care of it. And so those are some ways to kind of mitigate that and and and, and give it a chance to work. You mentioned your team camp and I, I had made a mental note to bring that up because at some point I saw whether it was a, an article from Jeremy McDonald or whether it was just a post on Twitter or something like that. There was a picture of your team camp from this past July and you had you know, like you said, like 110 plus 113 kids there. And each one of them, I think all, all those girls are all wearing, I think, a Silverton basketball sweat, a, a T-shirt. And then correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I could tell in the picture, it looked like there were 113 girls and all of them were holding a Silverton Foxes basketball, too. Yes. And that is something I have done when I coached boys in Staten, when I was up at Black Hills. I started buying um, the the indoor outdoor rubber basketballs, and the more you buy, the cheaper they are. That's so right. I'll buy like two, I'll buy two hundred and fifty of them, you know, and it'll run me two grand, three grand. But I just think there's some value in giving a girl a basketball, talking to them about, hey, there's a playground, there's a park. A lot of you guys have hoops out on the street. Basketball is unique that way. I'm a huge baseball fan. I, my favorite sport is probably football. I know nothing about it, but I just love it. <laughs> and But basketball, you can go ball handle. You can shoot on your own. And so um, I give them a basketball every year. Uh, and uh, and it, for me, I'm a I'm an avid runner. I, I ran seven miles this morning at about 4.45 a.m. And and, and when you run through Silverton and you'll see basketballs in the driveway, when, you know, from our camp or, you know, sometimes out in the day I'll run and my, my daughters will bike with me and I'll see kids shooting and it's just, I'll yell at them, let's go, you know, and they love it. But in a small town, um, building that community, uh, getting kids invested, like I, like I said, we, we, um, as everywhere is, and I'm not saying it's, it's, uh, for the worse, but, but kids, girls at younger ages are, are choosing to focus on one sport. And, um, and I want kids focusing on as many sports as they can. And, and, um, and also just trying to get that hook in there that uh, to play basketball as long as possible and, and invest in that. And, and, um, and so that's just something I've done and, and will always do and, and uh, you know, really enjoy it too. The girls love leaving with a basketball on that last day. 
Yeah, that was I, I had two thoughts when I saw that picture after I was trying to figure out if it was real or not that you could have that many basketballs. The first one was like how amazing that is and how cool it is to um, be able to spread that and give a kid. I mean, anything they can take home, like kids love free T-shirts. So that's great. But the basketball is something they're going to get to use every day. And every time they use it, they're going to see the Silverton Fox on there. And it's going to be kind of a cool, cool thing that they'll remember the camp. They'll remember how it made them feel to get that ball. And it'll be really exciting. And then my second thought was, man. This guy must spend a fortune on basketballs every year. <laughs> we, we do. We do. But um, here in, in Silverton, again, um, in the fall, I do something before. We still have middle school sports. So we have seven feeder middle schools. Um, like One of them has eight, eighth graders is all. So they're not big. Not all of them are big. Um, where I teach, it's, it's the biggest one. You know, it has 7,500 125 eighth graders. Um, there's about 400 kids in the middle school that's right in town. But then in the outlying parts, we have some smaller middle schools and, and they just play each other and, and it's great. And uh, Last Friday night, we did um, Future Foxes Night. So we invited our fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth grade teams with their coaches. And we ended up beating Sherwood in a great game. And they were there going crazy. Some of the videos, and I'm not on um, like Instagram or Facebook, but uh, some of the videos that were posted on there were awesome. They're leading cheers and they're going crazy. And and when we won at the horn, we, we won. Um, it's pretty funny to see them celebrating. So those are, you know, I, I don't know if that's unique just to a, a smaller town. I mean, we play in the second biggest classification, so we're not that small, but um you know, it is a, a little community and, and it was pretty special too. just seeing them there. They're all in their orange uniforms and and uh, they had a lot of fun. So uh, we keep trying to do those things with them. Um, but in the fall, we do right before their middle school sports and before we have future Lady Foxes tryouts, we do a little training camp. We call it and it's like 20 bucks to come and they come for a couple Sundays, a couple hours each day. And, and we just work on those skills that are important. And then in the spring, we'll do something um, in the middle of May that we uh, kind of get in our eighth and seventh graders ready for summer league um, after Memorial Day. And so we we invest a lot in our young kids, knowing that we'll reap the rewards later. Um, we've done some <laughs> I did uh, the last few years. We've done uh, future future foxes, and that's with our K one, two, three. And um, and my coaches always make me take the kindergartners which is an unbelievable battle of trying to keep, uh, I think last year we had 75 kids and 30 of them were kindergartners trying to keep them uh, in line, <laughs> right. doing jump stops, doing pivots. <laughs> and it was uh, quite the learning experience for me who I've taught sixth, seventh and uh, fifth grade for 21 years. And so dealing with kindergartners was something, but Again, getting a T-shirt, getting them invested, having fun, leaving with huge smiles on their faces. And, and so investing in your youth program because uh, Barry Adams, a, a le legend at South Salem, actually, yeah. was telling me once, he's like, do you know who your point guard is, your next point guard? And I said, yeah, I think so. And he's like, if you don't, that's your fault. And so always making sure that we know who our next point guard is and and um, those kids coming up, uh, we, we know, you know, I could tell you our, our, our fourth and fifth graders coming up and uh, what they do well and, and not in a, a crazy way, just 
they come to all our stuff and we get to know them and we form those relationships. And, and so we can have some honest, um, deep conversations uh, when they get into high school because we've had a relationship with them since they were seven or eight. And, and, um, and I think that's uh, really valuable. I don't know how much reflecting you've done on this, but uh, what you're doing is it's the, it's something that I think every coach needs to replicate um, for a lot of reasons. You know, you've mentioned the most important ones, um, obviously building relationships with those future foxes, with those girls and and the, the long game and how that pays off in the long run. But something you didn't mention, but it's certainly a really nice um, secondary feature of it is, um, something that you've already kind of mentioned actually in passing early on, which is the community buy-in part. So, you know, you talked about how at Silverton and it's, it's true when you go anywhere downtown, everybody's got the signs in their windows for the high school teams and stuff. And um, you're building community buy-in from uh, parents, uh, from future parents, from uh, all these people who haven't even had their kids set foot in the high school gym yet. And, and yet when they get there, they already kind of have an idea of what to expect. They've already invested, you know, up to eight years, if you're even nine, if you're doing the kindergarten deal up to nine years of times, you know, hanging out with the, within the program before their kid ever even steps foot in the door. For sure. For sure. And, and, and one of the things that I think is important is you want kids excited to say, oh, summer basketball starts. This is going to be my first year doing that. So we want that enthusiasm, not, and we have some girls who do this, I'm not sure if I'm going to play basketball. I don't know. It's really hard to be successful with those girls or boys. You know, you want people, again, just in anything in life, you want people showing up with their hair on fire, super excited. You want that teacher who loves being in the classroom. You like going to that class. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and that's the same with basketball. We want We want our our young people showing up excited for camp. We want them excited that they're going to be freshmen and, Oh, I'm playing basketball for sure. I can't wait. And, uh, and so um, that's another kind of byproduct of, of, uh, you know, working with youth. And I think you just have to, and I, you know, for better or worse, there are schools and and I'm sure you guys deal with it. I know schools in Eugene deal with it. And it would be really hard for me to, um, to be in that environment we haven't had one transfer ever. Mm. All of our girls in my nine years have came up through our youth program. It's amazing. And, and I'm not saying that's bad or worse. It's just more the area we live in. Um, but yeah, our kids come up and they know as third graders, I'm going to go to Silverton High and, and I can't wait and I'm excited for it. I want to be a Fox and there you see them at football games. And, uh, and so um, that's a little bit different also with the community. But, but I think it's it's kind of a neat part of it, too. Yeah, well, it's so different because it's not what it's like in, I think, even most of Oregon and let alone most of the country anymore. Uh, it's just like you're saying at the beginning of the show, it's like a really small town. And yet, like you're it's still a 5A school. It's one of the bigger schools in Oregon. So it's it's just really cool from the outside looking in at like what that community has been able to do um, and whatnot. I want to get into a little bit of practice design stuff with you just because I've kind of been nerding out on it lately, especially from the baseball standpoint, like trying to prepare kids for games and what are we doing in practice and does it line up well with what they're actually going to see in a game? And then I, you know, am I building in enough failure in practice? Am I making practice, you know, challenging enough or, or exciting enough or even fun enough at times. Right. Um, 
So just in terms of practice, like when you when you're sitting down to plan a practice, what types of things are you building into it? Um, like what are your, some of your core like values when it comes to uh, creating your practice plans? We, we want to get better individually every day. So the first 45 minutes we go with our JV and we will do some individual skills. Um, but we also want to compete every day. So we usually in that 45 minutes, we'll have a couple competitions, whether that's shooting, whether that's playing a little one-on-one tournament. Um, and maybe before that, before we play one-on-one, we're working on some, some, uh, you know, handling pressure one-on-one stuff. So, you, you know, using your jab, using your rips, uh, to get better, but, um, kind of building off that. Uh, and then usually we have an emphasis or one or two things where, um, like last week, we've been struggling a little bit to keep the ball in front of us. And so we've been working on closeouts. We've been working on jumping the pass. We've been working on taking better angles, our footwork on the ball. And so each day we were just kind of emphasizing a little piece of that. Maybe we just emphasize closeouts. So maybe we played one-on-one, but you had to start with a closeout. Uh, but then when we go to three-on-three or our five-on-five, we are emphasizing that again. You got to close out, close out on the ball, close out on the ball and really just hammering that portion home. So I, I think, um, you know, we really focus on parts, the small picture, and that we hope that each day, if we can get a little bit better, you know, 1% better today at closeouts, maybe tomorrow we're going to work on passing to the outside hand and emphasize that some of the little things we do. And then when we get to the big picture and we're playing five on five, whether it's against JV or, or we're playing five on five against ourselves with rules, um, you know, making sure we're, we're emphasizing it again as they're going. Um, but we really work parts to whole. And I know not everybody does. Um, our varsity boys coach is the, the best in the state at what he does. He is so stinking good, but they do things so much differently, but with the same emphasis. I mean, they're competing like crazy. Um, just in a different way. So uh, some of it at times can be a little different with the girls and boys again, um, because, you know, we may be emphasizing some of those fundamentals, pivoting, um, passing with your outside hand, which for girls sometimes is passing with their left hand, uh, being able to do that. Um, So our our practices, we really try to have a focus on one or two things that we want to get better at that day. Um, we have usually the first two weeks, I don't care who we're playing, uh, but the first two weeks, we're just working on all those fundamentals that we think make a successful team. And so we don't pay any attention to who, who our first game's against. It's the first two weeks. Let's get all of our little pieces in that regardless of the talent we have that year, um, we know are the solid foundation that will help us going forward as we get ready to start playing opponents. I love it, man. It's, it's really fun to hear people talk about practice design and practice planning, how different it is and how cool it is because people, even you mentioned like within Silverton, the amount of success that both programs have had and yet how different they might go after, you know, like how different they might actually play in the practices. It's really interesting stuff. Uh, my wife coached basketball, played basketball. Um, I played up until eighth grade and then stopped. Um, so I, I don't claim kind of like you with football. I love basketball. I don't claim to know anything about it. Um, but one thing I, I've been talking with my wife about a little bit, cause we watched this basketball game the other day. Um, it was a women's uh, college basketball game and one of the teams missed like 19 free throws and they lost by seven or something like that. 
And so we got to talking about free throws and and um, how you might practice them within within you know your team. What is your strategy uh, at Silverton with uh, free throws in terms of practice time? So we do a few things. We do the free throw ladder, which the girls love. It's a tournament every day where let's say you and I are at the top of the free throw ladder. We battle each other. I shoot two, you shoot two. I shoot till we get to 10. Whoever has the most wins, I stay. If I won, you would move down. Um, and, and so that's happening, you know, throughout the basketball court. Um, we do that. Uh, but we also do something we call five minute free throws, which is great. Um, because the girls are all kind of working together. We spread them out again amongst hoops, uh, hit play for five or hit my stopwatch for five minutes. And your goal is to make three in a row. And when you make three in a row, you yell three and I just count them off. And our Mm -hmm. goal is to get to 30 or 40, depending on how many hoops we have that day. Um, you know, if you can have two at a hoop, you're going to get close to 40, uh, hopefully. And so, um, we do that. Sometimes we'll do shoot till you make, shoot till you miss. If anybody can get to 20, we'll, t- we, you know, we owe you Dairy Queen or, uh, so we do all those. But then the other thing we do is we, we shoot a ton. We have a, a new coach actually this year. He, he came from South Salem. He had helped uh, Adrian. Oh, okay. And he was like, I have never seen anybody shoot so much in practice. <laughs> and every time we're done shooting, doing some sort of shooting drill, we do something we call 45 second shots. For 45 seconds, a girl is shooting at two spots. For us, they're always three-pointers. Maybe they're going corner to about 10 feet to their left, and they just kind of keep bouncing among there for 45 seconds. But right when they're done, like let's say they made seven. They're at seven. They go to the free throw line and shoot one and one. And if they make those, make both, they're up to nine. <laughs> and then they go kind of near the top of the key, lane line to lane line threes for 45 seconds. And when they're done, boom, one and one. So they're tired. Sometimes they're frustrated. They missed a bunch or, you know, whatever it may be, they've got to refocus, get to the line, do their routine, shoot their one and one. So, um, we do it, uh, you know, and, and I don't know, you know, last year we shot 75% from the free throw line, which is not even close. The, the best we've ever had. It wasn't even close. Now, one of our girls shot 82%. And she's now playing at West. She was our only senior. She's playing at Western Washington. She's really good. She was first team all state. She just got fouled all the time because we were posting her up. She was driving to the rim. So she made our free team free throw percentage look really sure. good. So sometimes <laughs> it's really important to who gets fouled. Yeah. And, um, and, and so, um, you know, she happened to be the one getting fouled a lot, which made sense. We were, she was an emphasis in our offense and, and, uh, and she just shot it really well from the line. Well, that's one of the things you mentioned in there is the idea of like how often you guys are shooting in practice. And that's, it's funny because it, it lines up really well with something I actually kind of in a weird way learned from Ryan Starwalt, who we mentioned at the start of the show, who coached at Crescent Valley high school for a long time. Uh, and basically it was the idea that, you know, within, within your sport. So for me, baseball, um, what do we need to do? Well, we have to score more than the other team. What do we need to be able to do to do that? Well, we have to be able to hit. And so it's like, how, how much can we maximize the time we spend in practice actually swinging a bat and hitting? And so then it comes down to like, how much can we, like how many different ways can we get creative to have as many guys as possible swinging as often as possible? Because kind of what you mentioned too, is that idea of the first 45 minutes of all your practices is that idea of getting better individually. And it, it really rings true and makes sense to me because if I can get you on your own to be, you know, 
X percent better today, then that makes our whole team that much better. And so it's really like trying to focus on those skills that's going to make our whole program better if you personally get way better at them. Absolutely. I mean, there's a little bit of selfishness there. And yeah. we talk about like, hey, be selfish today, get better individually, because if you get better and you get better and you get better, what's the consequence? We get better. I, I think that's a winning formula for teams of all sports is that every day. So a little bit of attitude there, like, hey, I got to get better today. And a um, little bit of enthusiasm there, a little bit of, you know, want to, you know, I'm going to be coachable, I'm going to work hard and and those are all characteristics of, you know, great people, but great teams for sure. Well, for sure, man. It's 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 really interesting to hear people talk about practice design and stuff because they just um, it, it's just so interesting because there's so many different ways to get there. But uh, there's also a lot of ways that that teams seem to do it uh, in a lot of similar ways with success. Um, I kind of want to finish here. Um, because I, I want to hear your answer to this, because we've we've kind of gone through an interesting time period over the last couple of years, obviously. And I know you have been affected uh, just through your team, you know, having to kind of shut down in the midst of possibly, you know, competing for a state title again and, and all the stuff that goes into that. And then just, you know, here within Oregon, some of the things that we've dealt with. And um, so I want to kind of ask you, um, you know, Basically, you've you've you know spent a huge amount of your time in high school sports in the world of, of high school sports, and you're obviously continuing to do that, and um, you find it to be very worthwhile. So, essentially, my question to you is like, why should people care about high school sports? Like, why do they matter? Oh man, that's a great question, Max. You're gonna you're gonna make an old guy cry. <laughs> I uh, I uh, in high school, my sophomore year, kind of had some hit a rough patch. And uh, my high school baseball coach, my high school basketball coach, both who were two, uh, you know, legends in Oregon. I was super lucky. I went to a small high school, Philomath, but had incredible coaches, legendary coaches. Uh, Ryan Starwalt played for the same two. And um, they just would not, uh, they wouldn't let me, they wouldn't lose me. They just stuck with me and kept battling with me. And so did my friends. Um, and those were my teammates. And so going to battle with them every day when, you know, my junior and senior year, when, when, uh, things got better for me and I, and I grew up, you know, I did some maturing and, <laughs> and I made some better choices, but, uh, man, they, they, uh, you know, I, I talk as, as many coaches do talk about, Hey, we're a family. And, and I've, we've had some girls who make mistakes and people are saying like, are you going to kick them off? I'm like, no, you know, we're going to work with them. And uh, a line I heard one time that, that I've used a lot is, you know, I have two daughters and they screw up and I screw up. We don't kick them out of the family. So we we work with them. And obviously there's a time and a place. Um, I, I'm not uh, I'm not oblivious to that, but um, you, you keep trying to mold them because who I was as a 15 and 16 year old. I'm really grateful. My high school coaches knew that's not who I was going to be as a 40 year old. And uh, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be coach Wold or Mr. Wold, uh, if it wasn't for high school sports, I wouldn't be a teacher. I wouldn't be a coach. I don't know what I'd be, you know, who knows where I would have been. Uh, but I know for a fact, it would not be a teacher. I know it wouldn't be a coach. Um, but because of my teammates who were my best friends, best friends I've ever had, um, just, uh, you know, when, when you talk high school sports to me, I tell the girls all the time, Friday night, you know, we got done with the basketball game. We headed over to Joe's house and we had a, we had a super tech mobile tournament for Nintendo. 
And, uh, and, and those were just unbelievable memories in my life. I, I've, I've told my daughters, you know, they're doing sports now. They play soccer and they play basketball and, and uh, you know, you know, trying to preach them, hey, did you give everything to your teammates? Did you work hard? Did you have fun with them? And that's what it's all about. And I just high school sports, high school activities, you know, whether you're in speech or debate and, and, and my oldest, you know, we'll see if, if she's going to be a basketball or soccer player or or she might she might head the drama or music choir and, and those connections, um, those lifelong memories you'll make and lifelong friends are so valuable. Um, I don't know where I would be without them. And, and I try to create that in my, in, in our program, like, Hey, I hope when you leave, you have, you know, regardless of our record, we're going to have some great years. We we're, and we're going to have some years that aren't so great, but I hope you have some unbelievable memories and friendships that last forever. People you can count on forever, including me. You know, I hope I'm one of those. I think that's a great way to maybe end this conversation because that's I don't know if we can we can get any deeper than that. That was fantastic. And I am not surprised and I don't think anybody listening would be surprised why um, Silverton has had the success they had or why the community is so invested in the school. It's because of, of people like you and then obviously the the girls you coach and the investment they put into the program and, um, you know, all the things you mentioned about them liking each other and, and how that kind of shows up to, to even opposing coaches on the teams, which is, is really incredible. So really appreciate you coming on the show. Really appreciate you and all the stuff that you're doing for high school sports. And obviously just within your own community, it's been um, really cool to hear some of the cool things that you've been doing. So Tal, appreciate you, Tan. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show today. It means the world that you had me. Thank you so much. Huge thanks to Ryan Starwell for connecting us to Tal Wold. So many amazing lessons in there, and I'm just really grateful for his time. Good luck to the Silverton Foxes the rest of the way. If you aren't signed up for the weekly newsletter, or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers yet, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on a podcast. Don't forget that Apple algorithm that I talked about at the top of the show. Not sure if that's true or not. Don't really care. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button no matter where you're listening. Most importantly, though, if you found any value at all from this episode or any previous episode or any of the newsletters or whatever it might be, please share the High School Coaches Club on social media via email or through the old-fashioned word of mouth. It doesn't really matter how you do it. Just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better, and that's how we grow the club. Huge fist bump to Coach Wold for jumping on the call with me. Thanks again to Netting Pros and Driveline Plus for sponsoring the episode. And of course, to you for clicking the play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I've got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.